Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. Chapter 17, verse 1 through 10, Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. In other words, offenses are going to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. Don't be an offense carrier. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Don't bug people trying to live for God. So watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Isn't that simple? Even if they sin again against you seven times in a day and seven times come back and say, I repent, you must forgive them. That's the words of Jesus, not Pastor Johnson. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down and eat? Won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink, and after that you may eat and drink? Will he thank the servant because because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. In other words, what he's saying is, If any of you had a servant and he came in and wanted to sit down with you before preparing something for you and before doing something, would he feel unworthy? Would he feel unworthy having to do the things that you told him to do because that was his duty? No, he said he shouldn't feel unworthy. So we have only done our duty, he said, when we do the things that are proper in the sight of God. Romans chapter 12 verse 3 in the King James says, For I say through the grace given to me, Paul said, to every man that is among you, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man. Everybody say, the measure measure. of faith. Everybody say, the measure. measure. Look at somebody and say, I got the same faith you have. Say, you're not on the third floor and I'm not on the first floor. (laughs) Say it. Say, you're not in heaven and I'm not in hell. We got the same faith. Everybody say, we got the measure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak tonight. Just do it. Say it. Just do it. Just you may be seated. God bless. I won't be lengthy. I'll be like Henry VIII told his fifth wife. I won't hold you long. <laughs> I hadn't used that in a long time. It just felt like doing it tonight. The sales manager of a large real estate firm was interviewing an applicant for a sales job. and He said, why have you chosen this career? He asked the young man. He said, I dream of making A million dollars in real estate like my father, the young man replied. Your father made a million dollars in real estate, asked the impressed sales manager. No, but he always dreamed of it. So I want to dream like him. Have you ever noticed that the Bible never mentions the dreams of the apostles? Have you ever noticed it doesn't mention the ideas of the apostles? But it does devote an entire book to the acts. Of the apostles. Not dreams, not ideas, but acts. Some of the most impressive commercials on television 
recent years have been the Nike shoe commercials with the theme of Just Do It. And now they've got the swoosh. These commercials have normally featured famous athletes such as one of my favorite, much to the chagrin of my son-in-law, Bo Jackson, who's an Auburn grad, and my son-in-law loves Alabama, to get their message across. One of the more memorable of these commercials, though, shows persons in wheelchairs with various other kinds of handicapping conditions. These are not persons we would normally think of as athletes. These are people who could easily just drop it, but instead, as the commercial shows, they just do it. And the commercials carry a great message for all of us, not just for people who are physically challenged. However, Nike did not invent the phrase, just do it. They are a few thousand years late with that phrase. For Ezra, in his book, several thousand years ago, said, be of good courage in 10 and 4, and do it. Translated, he said, be of good courage and just do it. Just get the job done. This is, in effect, the answer Jesus gave his disciples when they asked him in verse 5, Lord, would you increase our faith? He said, to paraphrase him in today's language, no, I'm not going to increase your faith. I want you to just do with what you have with the faith that I've already given you. So it was quite a curious answer, just do it. Did Jesus really understand the question? Yes, he understood it. He understands everything. Then why did he answer their plea for faith in this way? I believe there are two significant reasons. Number one, here we go. He knew what their problem really wasn't. Everybody say, he knew what their problem wasn't. And I know what people's problem is today. I know what it's not. It was not a lack of faith. Say, it wasn't a lack of faith. They had plenty of faith. The size of their faith that day when he spoke to them was not the issue. In fact, the Bible said faith the size of a mustard seed. Wow. You ever seen one? I wish I had one. I could hold a handful of them today in my hand, and you probably couldn't even see them from the balcony. But faith the size of a mustard seed can uproot a mulberry tree and plant it in the seed. And a mulberry tree, folks, is a deeply rooted sycamore. It's not easily transplanted anywhere. But Jesus said if you had faith, the size of a mustard seed. You could say to that tree, be removed from that place and be planted in the sea. And if you doubt it not, it shall happen. Jesus was saying to do great things, miraculous things, it only takes a minute amount of faith. And the mustard seed was one of the smallest in the world. No one could miss the point Jesus was trying to make. Their problem was not the size of their faith. No, that wasn't their problem at all. They would have to find another excuse for the lack of their ineffectiveness. I can sympathize with the disciples because people today tend to think they need more faith also. When we get in a pinch, you know I'm talking to you the truth. We say, God, I need more faith. Give me more faith. And we say, if we had more faith, we could be better Christians. I just need more faith. With more faith, we say, we would volunteer to serve in mission projects and we would help in the church and be more committed to everyday ministry of the church. So we pray as the disciples did, give us more faith. Can I stop right now and say that's never been the problem? Say amen to that. That's never been the problem. 
I'm going to put it on the screen. What we may not realize is that we are not praying for faith at all. What we are really praying for is for God to make things easier for us. Because I will tell you this, the walk of a Christian is not an easy walk. The walk of a child of God is not an easy walk. You don't always walk downhill with paved roads and green lights and wind pushing at your back. Sometimes you walk uphill into the wind on a dirt road with red lights. But it does not matter which direction you feel that you are going, up the mountain or down the mountain. I'm telling you right now, Paul said every man was given the measure of faith. And God has given you enough faith to overcome any obstacle. He's given you enough faith to overcome any situation. He's given you enough faith to overcome any problem that is in your life. Because God is bigger than any mountain. He's bigger than any sea. He's bigger than anything in your life that's holding you back from being fulfilled in Christ. He's bigger than that. He's bigger than that. So we're asking God to snap his fingers and make it happen for us. Some of you remember that hilarious. I love Bill Cosby. Anybody like Bill Cosby? Bill Cosby is probably one of my favorite comedians of all times. He's the cleanest, funniest, dumbest, smart man I've ever known. He's uncanny. I used to love his program. I loved, I loved the Cosby show. I used to watch it all the time. Not sometime, all the time. But some of you may remember the hilarious routine that he did on Noah's Ark. You remember? In this routine, two hippos are being herded through the doors of the ark. And God says, wait a minute, Noah. Noah. Both of these are male. We need a female. And Noah is furious. And he complains that it's difficult to turn a hippopotamus around on a boat. Much less take him out, deliver him back to the wild, and then go around up another one and find a female. And God says, I don't care. Get another hippo. Finally, in desperation, Noah shouts from the ark, why don't you just change one of them? If my memory is right, God says, Noah, how long can you tread water? <laughs> I love that answer. Thanks, God. We'll go get another hippo. God doesn't make me do something which requires action on my part. It's what we ask. So what we say is give me more faith. In other words, God, snap your fingers when I get hungry and make me a dinner. Snap your fingers when I lose my wages and get me a job right now. Have somebody come to my door. Snap your finger when there's family problems in my house and let everything just be healed. God does not operate like that. We're talking about a church tonight that is talking like the disciples and we're saying, Lord, increase my faith. God cannot increase your faith. You have been given the measure of faith, but what he gave you is enough to take you from here to there and go through every situation, go through every fiery furnace, go through every death in your family, go through every situation with your children, go through anything on your job, go through anything with your health, and arrive on the other side shouting the victory because that's the kind of faith that God delivered to this church. 
He didn't deliver a limp faith. He didn't deliver a sick faith. He didn't deliver a down and out. Oh, hallelujah. He delivered the measure of faith to get you from here to there. Amen. Woo, I feel like preaching tonight. See, that's what we're really asking for. It is for God to do for us what we're not willing to do for ourselves. And in the context, Jesus had just given his disciples a lesson on forgiveness. Now, stay with me. This lesson was a little hard for them to accomplish. For their request for faith was a way of asking God to fix them so they could be a forgiven people. More faith, they thought, would magically make them be what God wanted them to be. But the lack of faith was not the problem. There are people with lots of faith who still contribute very little to the kingdom of God. They're like the man Ernest Fitzgerald tells about in his book, Keeping Pace. It's one of the funniest stories I'll ever tell you. The man was a wealthy English philanthropist. His name was Jeremy Bentham. And in his will, Mr. Bentham bequeathed a fortune to a London hospital on whose board of directors he had sat for decades. And when he died, here was his will. He said, there's one stipulation. My will reads that in order for the hospital to keep the money that I have given them, I, Jeremy Bentham, had to be present at every board meeting after I die. So for a hundred years, for over a hundred years, the remains of Jeremy Bentham, true story, was brought to the boardroom every month and placed at the head of the table. And for over a hundred years, in each secretary's minutes was a line that read, Mr. Jeremy Bentham present, but not voting. (laughs) Folks, that's funny. I can't help but think that many church people resemble Jeremy Bentham. They are present but they're not voting. If I ask you whose report you're going to believe tonight, raise your hand and say, I'll believe the report of the Lord. If I ask you tonight, as for me and my house, who are you going to serve? We're going to serve the Lord. It's time for the people of faith to stand on their feet, not right now, but stand on their feet and say, I'm not going to die in the faith. I'm going to keep the faith I'm going to keep voting for God every day of my life because he has been my true savior. He's been my true redeemer. And I have faith and hope in that God that he can help me in any situation. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You know what I feel like we ought to do right now? I'm about halfway through this sermon. I'm not going to be long tonight. You know what I think we're all do right now? I think everybody that God's ever helped and showed you that without faith, it's impossible to please him. And you have had faith in him and he's come through for you. I want you to give him a hand clap like he deserves right now. All over this house. Give him a hand clap. Give him a hand clap. Come on, give him a hand clap. Might as well. Might as well. Come on, praise him a little bit. I'm tired of people being present and not voting. It's time to vote for Jesus in this house. We're talking about beyond faith. We're talking about beyond faith. We're talking about beyond faith. A lot of people have plenty of faith, 
but nothing significant ever seems to happen in their lives. I want to help you tonight. Listen, I want to help you tonight. My coat's too heavy for the stand. That's all right. That's all right. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Dennis. Dennis, be careful on them bulls, son. I love you, Dennis. That's a good young'un right there. Give Dennis a hand. Amen. Now, so here, here, here's, what, here's what I want to talk to you about tonight. It's really not a lack of faith that we have in our life. It's a lack of action. And I'm not trying to get you to jump around because it's not just about jumping around. I love to clap for the Lord and I love worship as much as anybody. But what I'm trying to do is to tell you that some people think that because they see other people successful and they're not successful, that they must have more faith. No, 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 no. It's not it at all. Because you, when you came to the Lord, was dealt the same measure of faith that everybody else was dealt. And God wants to bless everybody in this house. There's no, there's no second-rate citizens in this house. When you know the Lord, you're riding first class. Amen? When you know Jesus Christ, you're riding in the front of the coach. You hear me? You're riding in first class. You've got people taking care of your situation for you because you're a child of God. And what I've tried to do in my ministry here is to bring you from way back there at the back of the airplane, back there by the toilets where everybody goes to use the bathroom, to put you up here right by the pilot, right up here by Jesus Christ, who's the captain of this ship. What I've tried to do, and some people have listened and some people have not listened. So one more time tonight, I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord. It's not a lack of faith. See, we look at that faith message as the talents, the five talents, the two talents, the one talent. That's giftings. That's not faith. But five talented men produce five talents. A two talented man produce two talents. And there's a lot of one talented people in the world. There's not a lot of five tool players in Major League Baseball. There's not a lot of five star players in the National Football League. Everybody's not LeBron James. Everybody's not Michael Jordan. But there's a lot of people that play the game in the NBA. And there's a lot of people in church that think because they're not LeBron James, because they're not Michael Jordan as a Christian, that they don't have anything to do with the people of God and with the presence of God and with the faith of God. Listen to me. I want to tell you right now, you have just as much opportunity to take your one gift, your one talent, and produce something great in the kingdom of God. And as far as I'm concerned, the Bible says it, you'll get the same reward as a person who had five talents that doubled it or a person who had two talents and doubled it because you did what God wanted you to do. Whatever your calling is, don't bury it. Don't put it in the ground. Don't put it in the ground. Produce, produce, produce by the faith of God. Amen. If you're a janitor, be the best janitor that ever walked in a school system. Make them have to promote you. Make them buy you brooms with gold handles. 
If you're a lifeguard, be the best lifeguard possible. Don't just look at the pretty girls in the pool. Be a good lifeguard. Save lives. It's amazing where you'll go if you save lives. My pastor in Dallas, Texas, was saved by a pizza delivery boy one night who was on the verge of committing suicide. And my pastor passed out in his car and crashed into a lake down below his house. And this boy saw it happen, got out of his car and dove down into the murky water, opened the back door and pulled my pastor out who could not swim. And all the doors were locked except the back left door. And the boy found all of them. And he went from being a delivery pizza boy at the right place at the right time to a hero in Dallas and he, gave, he, was, he was canonized. He was, he was brought to all kinds of, of, of hero, heroism and now he's teaching kids on how when you don't feel like you have anything to give, you've got something to give. Here's what I'm trying to say. It does, oh, somebody help me. It does not matter. It does not matter. Whatever job you have, whatever situation you have, be the best you can be. Because it's not a matter of faith, it's a matter of action. If you're a home builder, if you're a banker, if you're a lawyer, if you're, if you're a physician, if you are a school teacher, my daughter's a third grade school teacher, whatever you are, be the best you can be. You don't need more faith to be the best. God's already made you. The apple of his eye. He's already created something inside of you that the world does not have. And on your worst day, you're better than the world on their best day. Boy, I feel like talking tonight. I feel like talking tonight. I I preached a sermon one time years ago, and it was kind of a a different kind of sermon. And 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 a young preacher's son walked up to me and said, Boy, I tell you what, if you wasn't anointed tonight, that'd have been a flop. Really? Really? Boy, you're deep, man. That's deep philosophy. And the reason he said that, because he would never step out and act on his faith. He wanted to preach, but he'd rather be a sideline, a drugstore cowboy, and a Monday morning quarterback is what he'd rather be. And here's what I want to tell you. We need people that don't only show up, but they still vote. We don't need Jeremy Bentham's that are present but not voting. We need people in Austin, Texas. No matter what your position, no matter what your place in this world is, to be the very best you can be, to forgive and love people on your job, to show the Christ-likeness that nobody sees outside of people that have Christ in them, to be the kind of person that they say, wow, what a person that is. They may not say it to your face, but they can't wait till you get out of the room to say, God, they're different. (laughs) Don't look at that as an insult. Don't look at that as an insult. You know, when I went through school, when I went through school, I really, I, I went through school. But when I went through school, I was, I was fairly popular, but I would have been a whole lot more popular if I'd have done some particular things that I didn't want to do. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget, there was a girl that I wanted to date in school. I never told my wife this. <laughs> She's hearing it for the first time. Her name was Barbara, Barbara Rogers. And Barbara, Barbara was a cheerleader, and she was a fox. And I wanted to date her. I wanted to date Barbara. I want her to date a good guy, not a dumb jock, but a good guy. And so I asked her out on a date one night, and she said, I'll get back to you. Well, getting back to me meant if somebody else don't ask me. I'm not dumb. So she got back to me, 
through her best friend who called me and said, Barbara will not be going out with you. <laughs> oh, thanks. She said, I'm her personal secretary. We got tickled about it. So she went out with this old boy. He did her wrong, did her bad. I'd have done her good. <laughs> I knew that. So I was, in, I was in Lubbock preaching when I was a young minister, still single. She was in her last year at University of Texas Tech. She found out I was in a church and she said, she sent word to me. I want to, I want to meet with you, Rex. I want to talk to you. I'm so excited about you preaching the gospel. I'm thrilled about it. And I want to meet with you. So I went, I went to her apartment. She had two or three girls living there with them. There's all there. And, and I, I wouldn't have went in any other way. But I went there and I knocked on her door. She told me where she lived. And I knocked on her door. And she said, oh, my Lord. And she hugged me. And these other Leveland girls hugged me. I was the hero. How do you like me now? Now that I'm on my way. No, I didn't sing that. It wasn't written yet. But she looked at me, and here's what she said. I missed it. I said, really? Yeah. I said, how'd you miss it? She said, I should have went out with you. I said, you were the best guy in all the school to date. And said, all of us want to go out with you, but you, didn't, you wasn't a jock. I said, no, I wasn't. But I could beat all of them that were jocks. She said, and I want to go out. I want to be identified with a jock. And she said, now you're a preacher. And in my dreams, I always wanted to marry a preacher. I said, too late. You've come too late. Isn't it amazing? Sometimes you think that people don't care about you and don't look at you in any way. But I'm here to tell you, when you walk with God and you're not cocky and you're not sullen and you have a smile on your face and the joy of the Lord in your life, people say, wow, they got something awesome in their life. I'd love to be like that. Just keep living for God. Keep doing your job because God wants you to be a person of faith no matter where you are. I don't know why I told that story. Barbara, wherever you are, you're a grandma now. God bless you. You can come to church here, I'll pastor you and your family. Because I'm not afraid to pastor anybody I ever dated. Now, it's not a lack of faith. Some of y'all a little slow over here on my right side. Mm. Some of y'all a little slow over here on my right side, but you'll catch on after a while. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. Let me see that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Here, 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 doctor. That good? All right. Good. Mm-hmm. Everybody say it's a lack of action. That's the second reason Jesus answered the disciples plea in the way he did. He knew what their problem wasn't. It wasn't a lack of faith. But he also knew what their problem was. They needed to start living what they already believed. So here's what I want to talk to you about. It never dawned on the disciples that it might take action to forgive others. Now, listen to me. Forgiveness is it's quite a word. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But whatever the attitude and atmosphere is in our world is not going to be a part of this church. This is a multicultural church. 
that absolutely is in love with every culture that's in this church. Somebody asked me one time, how many certain kind of people I have? I said, I don't have those. I don't have those. They said, you don't have any of those? I said, he said, well, what do you have? I said, I have all red people. (laughs) They're covered by the blood of Jesus. When I hear things out there, I say, God, do not let us be like one of the churches in the book of Asia, in, in the book of Revelation in Asia. Don't let the spirit of the world get in the church. Let the church have an indigenous spirit that says, we love people of all races, of all nationalities, of all social status. We love people everywhere and anywhere. And this church is going to continue to preach that message till Jesus Christ comes. Because we believe with all of our heart that everybody needs a chance to find Jesus Christ. And this church is a great place to find Jesus Christ. Clap your hands and rejoice in that. We need to just learn how to do it. To do it, to do it. So the central problem is that we do not have enough faith. The problem is that we don't use the faith that we have. And the disciples did not either. It's true for them, it's true for us. See, you've got enough faith. If you ever turned a light switch on, filled your car with gas, mailed a letter, flown an airplane, or ridden in an elevator, believe me, you have faith. You've got it. Or a doctor tells you you have a disease that you've never heard of, writes a prescription you can't read for a medicine whose name you can't pronounce. You take to a druggist you don't know who gives you a bottle of liquid that tastes like poison, which will, you'll take completely and then go back and ask for more. Now, that's faith. Here's, here's, here's what I want to tell you. Why don't you trust God? Why don't you trust God? You see, here's the problem with this thing called forgiveness. Forgiveness means somebody you think has to lose. But I promise you, the one that forgives never loses. Let me say that again. Marriages. Somebody has got to say, stop it, stop it, stop it. He's talking about forgiving. Husbands, wives, we need to forgive one another. Church members, we don't need to hold grudges. People on your job, you need to be the peacekeeper. You need to be the person that says, you know what? That don't have to happen today. Come on, let's calm this down. One of the greatest things you can be called is someone who keeps the peace and brings joy to everybody. You're not losing when you offer forgiveness. You are a winner because Jesus forgave you before you were ever born and ever committed a sin. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And you hear me. When you have forgiveness, a forgiving heart, you have the heart of Jesus Christ. And I promise you, when you have the heart of Jesus Christ, you are a child of faith. Clap your hands and rejoice in that right now. Many years ago, I read a little rhyme that runs like this. He drew a circle and shut me out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I, love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle and took him in. So here's what I want to tell you. 
When people push you away, draw a bigger circle and bring them in. Don't allow somebody else's dilemma to become your dilemma. Be a person of faith that says, I forgive. I forgive. I forgive my children. I forgive my husband. I forgive my wife. I forgive my coworker. I forgive my boss. I forgive because I promise you, you will never go wrong living in the spirit of forgiveness. Now, when I did Rx for the soul, prescription for the soul, I had probably four, five, six, eight people come up to me and say, Pastor, you preached to me so straight. Thank you for telling me that because there is never anybody that I am preaching to or for or against in this pulpit. I preach what God gives me. I really don't even know where 80% of you live. I don't know what kind of jobs you have. I don't know your middle name. I don't know your birthday. Do you know mine? December 28th. (laughs) I'm not interested in that part of your life. But I do preach the gospel. And sometimes the gospel is a corrective element and sometimes it's a joyous element. And tonight I'm preaching a little correction because I'm telling you, the disciples were saying, give us more faith. Increase our faith so we can forgive people that we don't like. He said, I can't do that, boys. You have enough faith. You have enough to move a mulberry tree from that place and plant it in the sea. And you can forgive because I've given you enough to forgive everybody. So start forgiving and walking around and say, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. It's kind of like that woman went to the psychiatrist one day. And he said, I want you to make some lists before you die. And she said, okay. So she came back and she had a list about this long. Come to find out she had some kind of uh, distemper, some kind of a, a rabies. She had, she had been bitten by a rabid dog and she had rabies. And, and so he said, what, what's this list? She said, it's names of people I'm going to bite if you don't heal me. You know, it's not, it's not we need more faith, it's we need to take action. I read, a, I read a statistic that says two-thirds of the world and 50% of all church members will not even roll out of bed on Sunday morning. They don't need more faith, they just need to roll out of bed. That's why I call Sunday mornings mind over mattress. It's time for our church, we've had beautiful crowds, but it's time for our church to come back to church on this Sunday. It's time to come on back. Get out of bed, come to church. Let's worship God. Let's have a great Sunday. Amen? Amen? I'm almost done. I'm almost done. It's amazing the creative solutions that people can bring to problems if we just get them into the action of what they need. I read an awesome story, and I'm going to close here in just a moment, recently about a group of French prisoners of war during World War II. These prisoners were forced to work in a German munitions factory upon realizing that the very bombs they were building were being used to destroy their beloved homeland they made the decision to create a malfunction in the devices to detonate the bombs, that detonate the bombs. The bombs were designed to explode on impact. But with the changes that the prisoners made, the bombs were harmless, and so no explosions occurred. So bombs were being dropped by the Germans over France, and they wouldn't explode. So puzzled by so many failed attacks, the French government collected those bombs, conducted an investigation, and upon opening the bombs, they found slips of paper inside bearing these words. You ready? We are doing the best we can with what we've got. Where we are, every chance we get. 
I want you to say it with me. We're doing the best we can with what we've got, where we are, every chance we get. Say it again. We're doing the best we can with what we've got, where we are, every chance we get. One more time. We're doing the best we can with what we've got, where we are, every chance we get. Do you want to be that kind of Christian? You want to be that kind of Christian? You may feel like you're in prison tonight, but every chance you get, you need to be the best you can where you are and do the best you can to be a child of God and show the faith of God that you have in your heart toward Him. Amen? Be a great motto for the church. God wants us to just do it. Now, what are you saying, Pastor? Well, tomorrow, 9 to 4, Friday, 9 to 4, Saturday, 8 till closing time, Lori Catone, Pregnancy Resource Center, needs some strong backs. She didn't say weak minds. But just strong backs. I wonder if anybody would like to go down there and help Lori tomorrow. We, 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 we sponsor that place. We sponsor the prison. They are, they are moving uh, out of the building so they can remodel the present location. They're going to move across the street. They need some help. I intend to go tomorrow and help a little bit. Am I going to foreman? No, I'm going to lift. I'm going to help Lori tomorrow. I'd like somebody to join me tomorrow. I'd like somebody to come over and say, Pastor, I'm here. I'm going to help Lori right out here on Man Shack, South Austin. If you want to sign up, sign up at the desk because I think it's important. I think it's important that we just don't use our faith to say, wow, I cast out that devil. Wow, I heal the sick. Wow. I think sometimes we need to take care of people that are taking care of our city and taking care of these unwed mothers and talking them out of abortions and talking them to having children. Amen? I think it's important we do that. So why don't some of us put our faith into action tomorrow and let's show up and perform some duties for a woman that needs help in the South Austin Pregnancy Resource Center. We're going to feed, we're going to feed the homeless again in a couple of days. We're going to feed them. You'll be hearing an announcement of it. We need cooks. We need people to distribute food. We've fed many, many, many people from our kitchens. We're going to keep doing it. We're bringing all kinds of food in, I mean all kinds of, of school supplies in. I think it's awesome to bring school supplies in. And, folks, I'm just telling you, faith is a wonderful thing, but putting faith into action is more wonderful than anything called faith. James said, you show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my works with faith. I believe with all my heart that faith without works is dead. I believe that. No, it's not working to get and earn the presence of God. It's just taking your faith and producing what God wants you to have. James was a pastor. I'm a pastor. Why don't we rise up? Why don't we become a part of this thing called the church? Why don't we not just come and sit silent and not vote? Why don't we just vote and say, I'm a part of this thing, and I'm going to be in this thing, and I'm going to be a part of this thing, and I'm going to help push this church, and I'm going to help do the kingdom of God a great favor by being what I need to be for God. Clap your hands and rejoice. My last thing I'm going to say is miracles occur when Christian people get into actions. They do. Miracles do occur when Christian people get into action. It happens all the time all over the world. I read a story about a woman named Frida Hanna. She is, runs a gift shop at Via Della Rosa in Jerusalem, the way of the cross. She's a Palestinian Christian. She makes beautiful embroidery things and cross-stitch work. Her specialties are altar adornings and clergy stoles and Bible markers. She's a frail woman. She's been in business for 30 years at the same spot, the sixth station of the cross. She's there. Eyes are failing. She wears thick glasses. She's always smiling. She makes friends with thousands. A teacher and a student, her students were in the shop one day. 
Another large group of pilgrims from America were also in the shop. And all the members of this second group had their Bibles under their arms and crosses hanging around their neck. And they were pushing and they were shoving. They were demanded to be waited on. A group of little Palestinian beggars had followed that group into that gift shop asking for money. And those Christian tourists were very indignant. The teacher said they made comments like, get those dirty kids out of here. Or why don't they stay in Jordan where they belong? Frida Hanna overheard their remarks. And the teacher who had the first group was embarrassed and apologized for his fellow Americans even though he did not even know them. And Frida's response was this. Get, here it is. Oh, that's all right, she said. I've learned a long time ago that many of those who take the Bible literally don't take the Bible seriously. I've learned that a long time ago. During the last 30 years with her earnings, listen, she's given over 1,000 Palestinian youth a higher education in North America or Europe. She has built and supported three medical clinics in the West Bank. She has built and operate two orphanages. There's no way of determining the good that the Christian woman has done over the years. She's at the sixth stop at Via Della Rosa for 30 years selling artifacts. That's what you call putting your faith into action. That's why I'm preaching it's time to just do it. Just do it. It's not, just, it's not how high you jump or how high, how big you can holler. It's not about that. It's what are you doing with your faith that you have. Last night we were very privileged, and I close. Randy, come and help me. Last night we were very privileged to go out with the ladies' group called Serendipity. They wanted Patty and I to just kind of give them a little, little thought process on how we looked at the ladies' ministry and helped them in direction. And I looked at, I looked at, some wonderful ladies last night. Some of them that were on the committee were not able to be there last night because of work schedules. But I looked at these ladies and I, here were my words. I said, I thank you. I really do. I thank you because no matter if you feel like you've succeeded or failed, you're trying. You're giving it your best shot. You're doing all you can do to make this church a better church, to make this place a more palatable place for women like our Sunday school teachers do for the children like Brad and the youth pastors do for the youth group, like Josh is doing tonight with the young marriage, teaching them how to perhaps raise kids that he's never raised. <laughs> but it's called an effort. It's called an effort. It's called putting your faith into action. And so I was so, I was so, I was so moved last night on the way home. I thanked God for every one of you ladies. I thank God for everybody that's on that committee. I thank God for everything you're trying to do. I really, really do. I really, really do. Because we don't need Jeremy Bentham's to be here for 100 years and always attend but never vote. We need people that have put their faith into action and say, Pastor, I want to be a person that makes a difference in this world. She said it this way, God did not place me in this world just to take up space. It's not enough just to go alone. God wants me to make a difference where I am and when I can. I had lunch the other day with a young man that I really admire. and I uh, don't have to tell you his name. He's a member of this church. He and his family go to church here. I'm closing. He said... He and his wife went skydiving several years ago 
And I reached over and checked his temperature. And he did have a little fever. And I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, well, how'd that go? How was that? How'd that work out for you? He said, not good. I said, okay, tell me about it. He said, well, we went to school. And he said, we went eight hours of school. And then at about four o'clock in the afternoon, we decided to go up. I said, how high did you go? He said, 13,000 feet. I said, you jumped from 13? He said, yeah. He said, but here was the difference, Pastor. He said, we jumped by ourselves. We didn't have somebody on our back. We jumped by ourselves. I said, your first jump was by yourself. First jump by yourself. I said, "Mm mm-hmm. Now your temperature is raging. And I said, what caused you to do that? He said, well, he said, because I had an instructor that told me he had made this jump hundreds of times and that when I jumped, he's going to jump with me. And he would not pull his ripcord till I pulled my ripcord, and he would be right there. He knew how to get close. He knew how to back away. He knew how to play the wind. He had done it several, several hundred times. So he said, I jumped. I opened up. I was sprawled. And he said, I looked up, and he was right in front of me. So it kind of gives you a good feeling to know that you're falling real fast, but somebody's falling the same pace with you. And said, then he looked at me, and he said, it's time to pull, pull. He said, my wife had one of her instructors, her instructor with her and telling her the same thing. He said, I reached to pull my ripcord and I couldn't pull it. It would not come. It would not come. And I said, you're a strong man. He said, yes, sir, but I could not get that ripcord to pull. He said, I'm afraid I was going to pull the whole pack off my back. So what happened? He said, well, my, my instructor came in real close and he smiled at me. And said he put his hand on my chest and got a hold of that ripcord and pulled with all his might and got me undone. And my, and, my, and my parachute deployed. But he said it didn't deploy the way it should have. He said it wrapped around my leg. And said he held on to me and would not let me go until it came undone from my leg and then popped open. Then he shoved me away and pulled his ripcord and we both landed. I said, can I tell that? He said, yeah, you can tell it. I said, I want to tell it. I'm going to tell that Wednesday night because I'm going to talk about faith. I'm going to talk about faith. Let me tell you something. There is nothing that you can get into when you want to activate your faith that God won't be right in front of you. He'll be right there. And when you think you're going to fail and you think you can't get it open, he'll say, I got you. Boom. And you're going to be able to do what you want to do in the kingdom of God if you just learn to activate your faith. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. You've got to activate your faith. And it's not just, oh, I cast this devil out, I rebuke that. No, 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 no. It's about doing and taking action in your life. God wants you to be the best you can be in this world to represent his kingdom. Stand to your feet and say, I got it, Pastor. I got it tonight. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Clap your hands all over the house. Clap your hands. I got it. I got it. I got it. Woo! Hallelujah! Beyond faith. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Amen. 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 Everybody say mustard seed faith. Can move a mulberry tree. And plant it in the sea. Wow. Wow. That's powerful. Say mustard seed faith. Can move a mountain. Say mustard seed faith. 
is victorious faith. You've got enough. Just take action with what you have. In Jesus' name. Join hands with somebody right there beside you. Dear Father, in the name of the Lord, I come to you right now thanking you, Lord, for this beautiful moment, this beautiful night. Thank you for the privilege, God, of talking and teaching and declaring the gospel to this congregation. I love this congregation. I really do. Thank you for giving me people. Thank you for giving this church people, Lord, that love to come and hear the gospel, hear the word. God, many times I feel like I don't do a good job. I feel like many times I don't succeed in what I'm doing. But, God, you take what I have and you multiply it. You bless people with it. And it grows in their life. And as the days go by, it grows bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden they realize I got a hold of something Wednesday night. I got a hold of this thing called faith in a different dimension. I got a hold of faith. And now I'm going to activate my faith. I'm going to activate it. I'm going to become the best that I can be with my faith. Not just to cast out devils. Not just to overcome situations, but to be the person that God wants me to be, to be the kind of Christian, to be the kind of man and woman that God desires for me to be. I'm going to be that kind of person. I'm going to walk that kind of walk. I'm going to talk that kind of talk. I'm going to be that kind of Christian because you demand that of me, Jesus. And Lord, I'm going to be a forgiving person. I'm going to be a loving person. I'm going to be a caring person because that's what you want in my life. Now bless me, Lord, and bless this church and bless everything that we do to honor you and to give you credit for what you have done for us in our life. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Throw your hands up in the air and say, Lord, I want that in my life. Come on, I want that in my life. Throw your hands in the air and say, I want that in my life. I want that in my life. I want that in my life. I want And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.